Hawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alvstad, and featuring 12thManRising.com editor and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hey, Seahawks fans, it's the Hawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstad, here with Keith Myers. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. How's it going this week? It's going, it's going really good this week. It seems like I'm back to, to routine stuff after some recent travel, and uh, my uh, daughter broke up with her seven-year relationship boyfriend, and so I had to deal with that kind of trauma at the same time she was graduating from college and, you know, all that. And uh, Sounds like fun. And the, yeah, and, no, you know, when really. you're dealing with a daughter, <laughs> 22-year-old daughter, um, you know, you hold her dear and close to your heart and you don't want her to get hurt. So that actually worked out really good and found out she's moving back home after college after being back East for a while. So I'm kind of excited about that. So something to look forward to in June. Um, but getting right to the show today, today's show is going to be uh, our part two podcast on um, position groups um, on the offense and focusing on um, – the playmakers at wide receiver and tight end this week. Uh, but we had quite a bit of Seahawk news to go over uh, before we get started with that. And uh, we had the rookie camp uh, this last weekend, Keith. Uh, based on all the things that you heard about and read about, uh, what did you come away with? Well, it's really tough to come away with anything because there's no pads. And so uh, the guys that stand out tend to be the smaller, faster guys and not the bigger, you know, guys that tend to make a big difference, like offensive linemen and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, just kind of, uh, of watching a little bit and, um, and reading about what other people saw, you know, just seeing guys like, um, uh, Cyril Grayson, just his speed, just kind of jumping off the field and, and yes. being obvious. And you go, Hmm, this is a guy that we had no expectations whatsoever for, but man, does he look fast? I mean, he looks well, fast I'm, compared to other great athletes. So, and any, any time you have Pete Carroll, uh, mention your name specifically in a press conference at a rookie camp, you know, that he's watching you and he's impressed. Yeah. I mean, he clocked, he clocked a four, three, two forty at, at camp. That's fast. I mean, you go back to when uh, Paul Richardson uh, was a rookie and, and his rookie camp, you know, his speed popped at, at practice, but it didn't pop like the same way. I mean, it was just that impressive um, the way uh, the way Grayson ran. It was just really impressive. Yeah, and it and it sounded like he was a uh, fluid, natural pass catcher too, which kind of uh, it surprises everyone that's not on the on the team. But but this guy's been working towards uh, having his opportunity in the NFL for quite a while now. Um, he went through some stuff uh, where he was at LSU as far as being on the track team and couldn't play uh, football, but he really wanted to try. So he's been actually working out. Uh, catching the ball and so forth for for quite a while for this opportunity and it it looks like it's possibly paying off at least he's going to get a chance to compete yeah he is and um, with that speed if nothing else like imagine him as a kick returner 
Yes. Uh, you know, catching, yes. The, catching the ball three yards deep in the end zone and, and running it out, knowing that every time he touches the ball, he could he could take it the distance. So, And um, quite frankly, that's probably what they're looking for uh, this season from him, if if he's going to stick with the team at all. Yeah, because you're not going to you're not going to trust that Tyler Lockett's going to be that guy this season because he's re- coming back from that ACL injury and may not even be you know, ready to play, you know, for the first half of the year. So we'll, they, they need someone. And if they can get a guy who, you know, they got as a undrafted rookie. So there's, there's no investment sure. at all. It's and all can, upside. Yeah. It's a hundred percent upside. So I'm, I'm, pr- I'm really excited about him. Of course, you know, it's, um, it's May and we'll see what, <laughs> where, with the way these guys look when they put pads on. But well, um, Pete Carroll mentioned another wide receiver and Kenny Lawler, who was with the team last year, drafted in the seventh round, put, uh, spent the year on the practice squad. He was even cut at one point off the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, it came back on. Apparently he's added 15 to 17 pounds. Looks a lot sturdier. Which he, ne- he needed. He needed. He needed badly. to do. He was a, he was a beanpole guy. Yeah. Um, so he, man, he, I mentioned Paul Richardson. I got a had a picture of the two those two guys in training <laughs> camp last year, and I was like, it was like, wow, Lawler's like a taller version of Richardson. They're just there's no there's there's no meat on the, on either of them. They're just yeah. If really I had, if I had to skinny. pick two buddies to go with a buffet with, they, those would be my guys because I know that I would get as much food as I could possibly eat. <laughs> so <laughs> if if Lawler actually is put on, you know some weight and not just like around the midsection like me, but, um, but, you know, put on the muscle and, you know, the shoulders and, and, and that kind of stuff that could be huge. Cause I thought he actually looked better in camp than other people did. he's such a good, he, he's got a huge catch radius. He does a great job of going up and getting the ball for a player, his size. And he's, he's pretty smooth in his running. Um, but man, you just look at him and it's like, if I touch him, he'll, he might break. And so if he's really put on, you know, 15 pounds of muscle, he could be a guy that we're not thinking of. He's completely off the radar and could step in and, and, and make this team. And when we look at the wide receivers later in the, in the podcast, we'll talk about that and maybe how he fits into that. Mm -hmm. So another guy that um, really stood out in camp um, via Pete Carroll was uh, Shaq Griffin. Oh Yeah. He, Corner, um, cornerback. It looks like he might be able to compete for that uh, second cornerback opposite Richard Sherman. Yeah, which and we knew that the moment he was drafted. Partly because the uh, the depth there is pretty poor. I mean, it's it's um, Deshaun Shed's not gonna. They're not expecting him back at all uh, at the beginning of the year. So it comes down to um, you know uh, Pierre Desir and um, Jeremy Lane and. You know, DeSera was on the practice squad last year, and Lane played poorly. So anybody who can't comes in is going to automatically have a shot at uh, at that job. But you know, he is such a good athlete at that position. He's a little shorter than what the Seahawks usually have, but he's so quick and he plays very physically. and And he's a guy who is you just can't keep him off the field. Just looking at his yeah. tape and stuff, and I, I was not surprised one bit to hear that he looked really good uh, out there. Yeah, Pete Carroll said Pete Carroll said he really plays fast, and that's really important at that position. Yeah, because it's one thing to test well and have that a good forty time. It's another thing for that all that speed to show up on tape, and his his speed and quickness shows up when you when you turn on the tape and start watching him. So two other players that uh, apparently stood out at camp. Um, 
one on offense and one on defense. Uh, let's talk about Jordan Roos a little bit. Nobody really knows who this guy is, but apparently uh, he comes out of camp with a legit shot at uh, making the team and competing at left tackle and left guard. Um, I don't see him as a, as a tackle as a rookie, but he, you know, it might be one of those things that he grows into um, in year two. But you know, I had a, ch- I he was, I hadn't. I had no idea who he was after the draft. Three-year starter out of Purdue. Yeah, right? and which is the fact that he's a three-year starter out of a school that you know is a, you know it's not a, a major school, but it's a it's still a big-time program. And I had never heard of him. You know, they, you you look at that and you go, oh, well, this is probably someone who doesn't have a lot of um, a lot of upside or anything. But then I went back and and looked at the tape, and it was actually hard to find tape for him. I had to go and look at the running back um, and you know the, and the quarterback and and get tape on those guys in order to see Roos. And he, there are some things to like. I mean, this is a guy that Tom Cable's going to love it because he's just he's big, he's mean, he blocks well past the end of the whistle finishes his blocks gets the guy on the ground i mean there's a lot to like about him uh, i have some concerns about pass blocking but tom cable doesn't seem to value pass blocking at all that and, seems like a common theme and, on the team yes it's a very common theme uh and so you look at that and you go okay well he this is a guy that they can that he fits what the Seahawks are going to do and so therefore he fits into the competition him and and Glowinski or maybe uh Reese um you know there's going to be a healthy competition for that left uh guard spot this year and another guy just quickly uh Posick uh they had him playing at right tackle the entire camp I'm I'm sure that that at this point is just to get a feel for where he's at yeah I think it's part of it and part of it is is his his height and length uh, make him look like a tackle. Uh, when you have that much height and length as a guard, uh, you better have a, a really strong punch at the right off the snap because otherwise you can lose leverage fairly easily. So teams like to put the, those guys with his length um, on the outside. And so it's just a matter of seeing what his feet look like and whether or not he can handle uh, the speed rushers on the outside because that's going to determine whether or not he can stick at tackle or whether he has to move in. It sounds like they really like him. I mean, they really talked about how smart he was. He was able to pick up concepts right away in camp and they just kind of threw him over there and he took care of business and, and all positive. But one other guy on defense that they talked about, and it's really hard to ignore, especially as you mentioned at the top, without uh, pads and so forth. Guys that stand out are really athletic guys. Malik McDowell is one of those guys. Oh, yeah. He came out and looked every bit like a first-round draft pick, a, a top-10 uh, talent, which is what he is physically. He's a, he's just such a—he's so quick. Um, he looked a little thin, um, to be honest. Uh, you know, he's a defensive tackle. If you can say that at 295 pounds or whatever. Well, yeah, but he, so he's a, he's a defensive tackle and you expect defensive tackles to be, um, you know, very large around the midsection because they have that extra weight. Usually they're, they're three, three ten, and he played his plays at 295, but man, he did not look 295. He looked 285 maybe. I mean, he, um, from what I understand and heard, it, it sounds like uh, like George Fant. I don't know if you saw George Fant last year uh, without pads on, but I, I, it sounds like those guys could, you know, could yeah. be twins. Well, see, that's the thing is 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 Fant was um, 
when he came in initially, he was, uh, I think he was 290. So he was a little undersized for a, for an offensive lineman, but he didn't look 290. He looked like he could have been 260. You know, I mean, yes. he was, and Gary he was pretty cut. Gary Gilliam is the same way. They, they don't have the body build uh, shape that you think of of an offensive lineman. They're, they have the weight, but they're cut. Uh, it's all muscle. And, um, you know, Gilliam's gone now, but Fant's still there, and he's still got that that physique. And and Malik McDowell is very similar. He's he does not look like a guy who has put on a bunch of weight because the NFL wants him to be three ten. Um, he looks like a guy who is in incredible shape. And well, as Pete Carroll, Pete Pete Carroll just raves about him because he's got a new toy in the toy box. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy that the uh, physical specimen kind of guy that he hasn't had before. Um, in that uh, body type uh, to play both the five tech and slide inside to the three tech on, uh, on, on possible, uh, you know, rundowns and, and five tech on the outside to rush the passer. And, you know, it sounds like he's going to be quite a disruptive force. Not sure. You know, he kind of plays that Michael Bennett role. At least that's what they had him playing um, in camp here. So I would imagine based on his, um, his ability to slide up and down that line, that they'll find a spot for him on you know certain situations. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where they what they like um, about him is the same thing they liked about Frank Clark and about Bennett is that they can they can line him up in, in multiple different spots on both sides of the line. They can bring him into three tech if he puts a little bit of weight back on and gets up closer to um, two ninety five. I think they can um, put him at nose tackle on third and long, you know, those obvious passing downs. Pete, Pete uh, Carroll so. said that he wanted him to put on uh, 10 to 15 pounds over the course of the next year, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't need to happen right away, but it sounds like they want him to play at about 305. Yeah. Well, and it, when he says 10 to 15 pounds, is that from where he's at right now? Because I think he's at... From two, where he's at right now. So yeah. I think I think right now he's at about 280, 280 to 285, and so that, the, the 15 pounds will get him up around 300. Um and maybe three, yeah, maybe three hundred five. So it'll get him in that range because um, I I don't think he's at two ninety five right and now. The, and that's specifically to play against the run. Yeah, um, but if they can, because they don't want to, they want to have have him lose any speed uh, coming around the edge. Yep. So they're gonna, they're, you know, they'll they'll have him, they'll have him. If he can put on, a, if he can put on, you know, ten to fifteen pounds, uh, they can line him up literally anywhere on the line in all four spots. That's right. So absolutely, and that's that's going to make life really hard on the opposing teams because because you think of having him Clark and Bennett all on the line, you don't know they're they're all in the huddle. You don't know where they're lining up. You don't know where they're coming <laughs> from because um, all three of them can come from anywhere. Um, and you know, so you, it's just that's just going to make life so hard, so so hard for the other teams. And that's and exactly it's exactly what you want. it's and it's exactly what the Seahawks have been missing. Yeah. Definitely. Just just that one piece. So, you know, it's really easy to get excited about, you know, uh, the team this time of year because of the infusion of talent that we just got and we haven't been able to see him and so forth. So uh, it'll be great to get into camp in July and find out exactly what we've got when they get the pads on and stuff. A couple other notes. Uh, the Seahawks signed a couple of players uh, after the tryouts this weekend. Speedy Noel out of Texas A and M. The name says it all. He's kind of a an athlete, uh, very quick. Plays uh, uh, wide receiver primarily. Can return uh, some kicks, and they had him uh, taking some handoffs as well at running back. Yeah, I thought it was weird that they had him line up in the backfield because he he's a wide receiver, uh, but. He's kind of in that Golden Tate mo- model where he's um, 
you know, a little broader shouldered guy who, who has got a lot of um, run after the catch uh, ability. And why did he not get drafted, Keith? Because he, his hands aren't as aren't really what you want. Um, if you look at him, you're gonna what you're gonna see is you're gonna see uh, Lamichael James, if you remember him out of Oregon, um, yeah. a guy who was very productive. Uh, didn't really have a position because he he was a wide receiver. He was a slot. Uh, yeah, I think he struggled a little. He struggled a little mentally with with uh, putting it all together. Yeah, I think that's and A&M too. Mm-hmm. And so there's there. He's a guy without out much of a position. There's a lot of there's a long list of of guys that are similar to him without a position that don't didn't translate um, to the NFL. And then you're right. There's there's some things where you know you look at certain guys just struggle to pick up. You know reading what the defense is telling you you need to do and do do you cut in or out on this option route and if you're constantly making the wrong read there then you know you're not going to fit in well at the nfl level. That, so this will that too and he also had some uh some character concerns uh missed a, a few games for suspension for a couple a couple different times and um he had a standout freshman year uh, mm-hmm. where he had 1500 1600 all purpose yards and then kind of fell off after that but he's he's got talent we'll see if he's ready to to make it happen at all the other guy that they signed off that um uh the, the practices this last weekend was Cal Coleman a fullback they made a couple of cuts Skylar Howard who took some snaps at quarterback that they brought in uh, he did not make it, uh, in, uh, which favored Birdsong, another guy that uh, is at QB. And we can talk about that a little bit if you want. Uh, it sounded like he had a, a really good camp and did all the all the right things. And they let Brandon Cottom go, a guy that's been on and off the team for a little while, had an Achilles last year. It doesn't sound like he was quite ready. Yeah, I'm disappointed about Cottom because I, I just pull, am pulling for him. Uh, he's been with the team now for a couple of years uh, as a practice squad tight end. And then last year, he really embraced the the move to fullback. And so he was going to be that guy who was going to be the fullback and could play a little tight end here and there. And, and, and that was going to be his role. And, his, and it looked like everything was lining up for him to make the team without question. And then he tore his Achilles tendon. And that got completely thrown out. And the team struggled to figure out what to do at fullback without him. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so he's battling back from that. And it usually takes an extra year to get 100% back from an Achilles injury. I mean, players come back after, you know, the fall, the fall, the season after, but they're not the same. It takes that other year before they're fully athletically back. And so, I, you know, I was pulling for him and really wanted to see him get back Me and, too. and make, have a chance to actually make the team. But you know now he's gone and there might he might be one of those guys that is out there and then they bring back in in July when there's an injury at, or early August when there's an injury at training camp and they they just want another body at tight end or or um at fullback so we'll have to keep an eye on it so quickly uh Eddie Lacy made his weight bonus Mm-hmm. At uh, 253 pounds, needed to be below 255, made 55,000 in cash. I want to talk about this a little bit because I don't want to talk about it again. And and I'm I'm kind of frustrated in the way that his contract is set up. I wasn't originally I thought, you know, this would be a good incentive to have him make um make these weight weigh-ins throughout the year to kind of keep him on track and so forth. But now I'm kind of questioning that because what's going to happen is we're going to talk about this issue every single month this year and watching if he makes that bonus. And if he doesn't, it's going to be a big distraction. 
Yeah, it's going to be annoying. I think it's the correct word, especially if he doesn't make one because, you know, the the number goes down that he has to make each each time because um, they want him playing about 245. And so let's say he gets down to 245 and makes a couple and then there's one where he, he weighs in at 248. Uh, everyone's going to hear the Chinese. You're going to hear the Chinese food jokes. Oh, yeah. Endlessly. Con- constantly. And it's going to be super annoying. I mean. By the time that happens, he'll be out there playing every Sunday. Yeah. If he's yeah. if he's averaging, you know, 4.7 yards per carry. Exactly. Who cares if he's 245 or 248? Exactly. I, honestly, just you know, judging I hope, by how well, how well he's I, doing I, with the I hope on. that uh, that we make it to September 10th first, you know, first game. He makes his weight and then the Seahawks figure out a way to to, to take that bonus and say, okay, you made your way. That was our plan all along. We're going to slide this bonus into you know your regular salary or whatever it is, and we're not going to talk about it anymore because we trust you that you're going to do the right thing and you're going to be with us all year and blah, 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 so that we don't have to talk about this anymore. I, I just think it's, it, it's going to be – it's not going to work out. Yeah. I mean, or the other thing they could do is just not release, not release it, not release the results, just – if it happens, it happens, but we don't need to know about it. We don't need to talk about it because I, oh, that story well, is not going to go away. His, uh, his representative released that information on, on at this one. So yeah. hopefully, you know, maybe they reconsider and it just kind of goes away. I hope. Yep. The other guy I wanted to talk about, and we both kind of wanted to mention, is a guy that's really coming up in the news for the Seahawks now. Started out as a rumor. It actually kind of got confirmed a little bit with Schneider uh, reaching out to Colin Kaepernick's uh, representatives last Friday about a spot as a backup QB on the team. Um, there are, I mean, <laughs> there are such wide um, feelings about this particular player in the NFL. Uh, you've got literally people that. I've I've read some awful stuff about him in some comment threads uh, to complete 100% support for him. And um, let's just talk about the football player for a minute. What do you think of Colin Kaepernick? Uh, Colin Kaepernick is a starting caliber quarterback. Um, He has proven that. He had one uh really bad year in 2015 when there was a lot of other stuff going on um around that team but awful he, team awful team but you look look at last year that team was completely Terrible. devoid of talent everywhere and he had a quarterback rating of um over 90 it was like 91.7 and I'm yeah, sorry. he threw for 20, 2,200 yards, six, you know, 16, 17 TDs, 11 picks, but on that offense, oof. Yeah, uh, and he was being forced to do everything because he, they didn't have a running game. Um, you know, they, yeah, he also ran for 400 yards, yeah. I think. So, I mean, this is a guy who who is a starting caliber quarterback. Now, is he um, an elite quarterback or, you know, a Russell Wilson or, you know, it, no, he's not. He's a, but he is a starting caliber quarterback. He's better than uh, Josh McCown, who's going to start. This there, year. there was a time before uh, the pick mm-hmm. in 2013, where after that, it really kind of has been going downhill, not only for the 49ers, but for Colin. Um, but before that, he was considered a top 10 
quarterback in the league, it was the one quarterback. If you know, Seahawk fans have somewhat short memory on this, but he was the one quarterback that we kind of feared as a team. Like, how do we contain this guy? This guy can legit run for 100 yards against you at any time on the field. I mean, he's a threat any time on the field, and he proved it against us a couple times with some really long runs. Mm-hmm. You know, now, granted, he didn't get the job done in the end, but I still think he's he's a quality quarterback, would be an excellent backup quarterback in our system. I think he would benefit from our coaching staff and our system and having Russell Wilson there. Um, he's got, you know, a definite support system. It looks like already in place on the team. It would be a good fit in that respect. Now you can talk all you want about the political stuff and the distractions off the field and all that. Um, but as a player, I think that he's, he's definitely qualified to be on the team. And I don't personally have a problem with, with the way that he's doing his first amendment rights, um, is there, would there be better outlets? And I've always said this too. Um, maybe, uh, I really liked what the sea, uh, the Seahawks did last year in trying to solve that problem by, uh, connecting arms and, and standing and so forth. I thought that was a very good compromise as a team and maybe Colin Kaepernick just slides right into that. Yeah. And I think he would, he's already announced that he's not going to continue, uh, the protest, the way that it was being done. And uh, so that I think you can get away with with not having to worry about that. And um, if you're thinking about, oh, he's going to divide the locker room and all of that. I mean, the Seahawks as a team, at one point, we're talking about as a team uh, joining him and, and participating. Yeah. And you had Jeremy Lane and Earl Thomas who were actually going to, um, you know, take a knee and, and and do that with him and then they what they chose to do was to you know talk it with over with the team and the team leadership and they came up with this idea of standing together and standing unified um but you know Kaepernick has some support within the Seahawks locker room and within some of the leaders because you let's face and it and the coach Earl Earl Thomas and yeah and Pete Carroll are both you know I mean these are the leaders of the team and they're guys that would support him and I think that it's a it's a thing and it comes down for me this whole situation comes down to finances and how much he wants to make and how much he's willing to uh to to play for if he, I I think that Keith you know if he wants to play in the NFL this year it's going to be in a backup role initially. Mm-hmm. Um, he may he may uh, walk into a starting role uh, via an injury, but he's going to have to start coming off the bench, and he's going to have to take coming off the bench pay if he wants to play in the NFL this year. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and so if you get him, you get him to bring his demands down into the, uh, under three million a year. Uh, and then it makes sense. And you're just like, you know what? He is a massive upgrade over Travon Boykin. And I like Boykin, but... Uh, well, would you take Kaepernick on a one-year rental and give up Boykin yeah. uh, in the fu- into the future? Absolutely. And then okay. the, thing, the thing is that it, you can probably stash Boykin on the practice squad uh, for a year and, and see what, what you can do with Kaepernick. And if you can't, you know what? He, Boykin's not a guy who is completely irreplaceable. Well, and he doesn't give you a lot of confidence that uh, he's going to stay out of trouble. And I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. So he's he has been arrested twice this off season. So, granted, they're both from the same incident, but still, 
Right. Well, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency with him off the field. Mm-hmm. On the field, I don't have any problem with Boykin. I think he did a great job. It looks like we could seriously develop that guy. Yep. Um, and I have confidence that he could take over for half a game or a game if needed and so forth. Um, you know, I'm not sure where he's at if he had to take over four to six games um, or take over for the season, uh, God forbid. But, you know, Colin Kaepernick is a guy that I know took his team to a Super Bowl also came one play away, the tip, from going to another Super Bowl. And quite frankly, our team is better than San Francisco's team was when he did that. Yeah. And uh, so it, it, there, it's, it's a situation where people really want – there are certain people who really want him to not be good at football so they can justify the fact that they don't like him for non-football reasons – um, but the truth of the matter is that he actually is good at football. Um, so, you know, one of the things that's interesting in all of this is that the other player that's that was mentioned uh, as the guy that the Seahawks went out and started, you know, poking around about, it was Robert Griffin III. Yes. And so, yeah, yeah. so they, uh, you know, Kaepernick's the one that they have the most interest in, and it comes down to finances and that kind of stuff. But, well, and I think legitimately so, because I, to me, I don't think Griffin is going to be a good fit. No, I don't either. But it's, it's the idea that Kaepernick and RG3 are both, <laughs> the, they're, they're the two guys the Seahawks are thinking about possibly signing to be Russell Wilson's backup. Take that statement and re- go back to. 2013 uh, you know just before the 2013 year and analyze it under that context where both of those guys were coming off you know just amazing seasons and were seen as the up-and-coming you know future stars of the nfl and now and you know and here in seattle we were basically trying to convince the rest of the league that russell wilson was you know, actually good and not just yes. this third round little short guy that, you know, <laughs> what a, a one hit wonder type of thing. So we were trying to convince everyone that, 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 that Wilson was good. And those guys were genuinely viewed as the, um, elite as the elite up and coming, you know, these are the guys that are going to take over when, you know, well, Robert Griffith jr. If, if people don't remember, but Robert won rookie offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, he did. And he came into the league as the number two overall draft pick. Yep. Behind Andrew Luck. And look who's better than both those guys. Yeah. And so but I, I just I, I found this the whole situation to be funny because you take that the context of 2013 and you apply it to this news story now. And to me, that's just completely entertaining. Well, and the other thing, getting back slightly to um, to Colin, is we already have a reclamation project on the on the team this year in Blair Walsh at mm. kicker where we directly affected these players. We affected directly Blair Walsh because he missed that kick in the, in the big uh, uh, divisional game in Minnesota a couple of years ago. And then he's on our team. Yep. And then Colin Kaepernick, literally, you know, we played as a division rival, him, two times a year, and we've literally had his number the whole time. Mm-hmm. And and after the tip, which which is the biggest play uh, to get us to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship back uh, before we went on to beat Denver, uh, his career and, and the 49ers team literally fell apart from that moment on. 
And so to ha- to have him, if he comes onto the team, would be an interesting thing to me because uh, Pete Carroll is is just so awesome as a as a not only a coach but just as a person where he understands that he gets that whole redemption thing and gives guys a chance um, that that other coaches may not and more times than not it seems to work for him. Yeah, uh, the whole the whole situation to me it just. Uh, the phrase that comes to mind is "you break it, you buy it," and <laughs> so the, the Seahawks broke these guys, and now they're gonna they're gonna bring them in. So I I think it's I think it's hilarious, but I do too. You, you know what? Hopefully it works out because I, I have I have no confidence in Blair Walsh whatsoever. But I will be happy to be wrong and have him return to the form that he was you know earlier in his career. So let's quickly go through uh, the two remaining skill positions that we left off of last podcast. We still have tight ends and wide receivers to go. Let's start with the tight ends really quick because it's going to be actually fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one position group that I have most concerns about at this point yeah, there's in, no the, depth in the whatsoever. upcoming season. Right. So we've got Jimmy Graham, Luke Wilson, and, and Nick Vanette back this year as our three main starters. Those guys will definitely make the team. And then after that, we just really don't have a lot. We just signed Bryce Williams, who spent time on the New England and Los Angeles Rams practice squad. Mm -hmm. We've got a guy by the name of Chris Briggs, who I've never really heard of before, who's listed at 6'5", but only 220 pounds. And we've got a guy, Marcus Lewis, 6'4", 250 pounds, but he's 27 years old and he's a four-year pro. And I, again, a guy that has drifted around a little bit. So really not a lot of depth at all. Yeah, Briggs is a guy I I don't really get. I mean, he's a he's not a blocker at all. He's a pure pass um, catcher, but he doesn't even have like the elite measurables that Jimmy Graham has. Who is the guy I mean, you could put profile. Tyler, you could put McAvoy out there, and yeah. it'd be a better situation than we currently have. Yeah, and actually, and the thing is that they put um, uh, Tanner McAvoy at tight end at times in practice and and had him do those things because of his size and they could split him outside and basically do some of the Jimmy Graham stuff. Um, and so he was, he was Jimmy Graham in practice a lot, uh, cause Graham couldn't practice, but they wanted to give Wilson some, some feel for what it was like to have a guy like that. So, um, and Chris Briggs is kind of that same ish guy, but he just doesn't have, you know, the elite, size right I, I i honestly just don't get why he's listed as a tight end um and marcus lucas is is the brandon williams that they had last year uh who is that you know that well-traveled guy who can block is really what he is um why did they not bring back uh williams i think it was just a matter of he just got, couldn't afford him it, yeah i think it was just a matter of he's a replaceable guy and and the what his agent said that they wanted, you know, for him to come back for a year, there was more than they were willing to pay. And they were willing to let him walk for, you know, a couple hundred grand and, and take a risk on a guy like Marcus Lucas, or, you know, just the expectation that Nick Vanette's going to be the guy that they drafted him to be. Um, so the, the, the three guys that we still have now on the team, Jimmy Graham, Luke Wilson, Nick Vanette, Jimmy Graham and Luke Wilson are on a contract year, both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did sign uh, Wilson back on a one year deal, which I thought was a, was a good value for him. Um, uh, perfect contract. And then, uh, Jimmy Graham's coming up on his last year, uh, with, with 8 million 
paid out this year coming off 65 uh, receptions over 900 yards and six tds pro bowl um it'd be uh i I think it would behoove the seahawks to re-sign jimmy graham i agree um i think they they definitely need to do that it what the issue that people are talking about at this point is will graham want to re-sign because you know his numbers are deflated by Seattle's offense and and what the, the things that Seattle does and if Graham wants to you know stake his case for being a Hall of Flame Hall of Fame player he needs to go into a an offense that throws the ball a lot more and uh, it's pass first I, so. yeah it'll be interesting Keith I I really don't think that they'll sign him to an extension in the off season but it wouldn't surprise me if things go really well with the offense uh, early on that mid-season they they uh, throw an extension out there. That's just me. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's just the they'll they'll the Seahawks will throw it out there and we'll see what happens, but uh, Yeah, right, you know, right. Jimmy what, what Jimmy may do? want to test free agency because he hasn't tested free agency before. Mhm. Um what about Nick Vanette? Um See, I I'm still really uh, really big on Vanette. I know not everybody is, but I am, and I think that he can be a a very good player. He his college he, tape was outstanding, and he did look a little lost last year. And, and granted, lost. it's it's hard to pick up a, an NFL offense, and um, you know maybe they asked him to do some things that he was not completely uh, comfortable with. But a year in the off season uh, with the team um, in the in the weight room and so forth is going to help him out. I think it it can't hurt. Agreed. Yeah. I, I mean, it comes down to just what is he? Um, you know, what is he? Uh, what was what was the issue? Because I know he he missed most of training camp with that injury. And he, so, yeah, and he really did never recover, yeah. you know, and he never really got back into the the flow mm-hmm. of of the offense. They had Williams there, and so they just they just, they just of, ended up not needing him. So they kind of just, I mean, he he really he didn't even suit up a couple different times, and mm-hmm. he didn't even see the field for the last four or five games. So it was it was just one of those things. Yeah, um, it was, but it, I it ended up like a red shirt year for him, which is disappointing right. because he's a one of those guys that I thought had the talent. It would have been nice for him to get more snaps and more reps. So we had a, a better idea of what he was going to be this year. And we could, you know, he could have more of that self evaluation film because he got on the field more for the off season to help him get ready for this coming year. But you know, it's, there's only so much you can do. There's only one other guy on the tight end, uh, depth chart right now, which is, uh, Tyrone swoops, a guy they brought in as an unrestricted free agent after the draft started out. Um, yeah. Uh, from Texas, six, four, two forty nine. Um, not sure what, what they see of him, uh, how he fits into that competition. It wouldn't surprise me, um, at this point, seeing how light the, the team is at tight end that they bring somebody else in at this point. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really just, they lack a lot of depth um, at tight end, and they need to get, they, I'm sure they'll get another body in just to just to keep this the reps down for other guys and, you know, make sure that they don't uh, push the guys like Graham and Wilson too hard during training camp, and they want to make sure that they get the guys uh, through training camp healthy, so... 
we'll and they need somebody in the wings uh, going into the season, so that in case of an injury, they've got a guy that they can that's on speed dial. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's talk about wide receivers. Uh, this is a fun position group this year because it's it going to be really competitive. It's it's really deep, um, which is kind of weird to think about because it wasn't that long ago that the Seahawks were desperate at wide receiver. They just had they had very little going on. And I granted they made a Super Bowl that year, but when you're throwing uh passes at the one yard line to Ricardo Lockett, you know you don't have a lot of talent at receiver. Um and So let's let's talk about the locks on the on the team this year. So we know we've got Doug Baldwin. Yeah. Best slot receiver in the game. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there, he is not, I mean, he's an absolute lock. He's one of the core members of the team. So and then we've got Tyler Lockett who is, um, coming a, off that injury. He's a tremendous player, but that injury was nasty. I mean, just compound fracture of both bones and in, in, you know, his lower leg. And, uh, you know, the story from Russell Wilson about how, when he got over there and all he saw was just blood filling up Ugh. like every, Oh man, it's just compound fracture. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's just, just that's, that's it's, nasty. It's just brutal. So, you know, we'll get, uh, he's the team and him are talking about, you know, maybe ha- him being ready for week one. I don't buy it. It's just that injury is so brutal, but you know, you never know. And, uh, we'll see him going, but he, I think Keith's or, or not Keith. Um, Coach uh, Carroll came out and said that Earl Thomas is just slightly ahead of um, Tyler Lockett on recovery, mm-hmm. but that they both expected to be available in week one. Wow. that's. I mean, I actually, I, I would expect Earl Thomas to be ready because of the way his injury was. It was yes, it was broken, but it was one, it was only one bone. It wasn't compound. It didn't require... Just one. <laughs> hey, I've broken a lot of bones myself, so I can. I, uh, I have too. I, I can say that particular, you know, but he, he his Earl's didn't require surgery. He should be a quicker, easier recovery. He should be ready. Um, Lockett's was not. There was nothing insignificant about that injury. It is just as bad as you can possibly get it. And so and Tyler we, Lockett and Doug Baldwin, they both give you. Uh, really nice possession receivers that can make big plays. Mm-hmm. Um, they're almost, I'm not going to say they're the same player because Doug is really crafty. Tyler's still learning his position a little bit. But and Tyler's got those, a lot more speed. And those, But those two players are really nice uh, players that complement each other, and Russell Wilson has a lot of confidence in those two guys. Mm-hmm. After those two guys, it does kind of open up a little bit as far as uh, little question marks. So we've got Paul Richardson, who's been with the team for three years, but kind of came on yesterday, in, or not yesterday, last year, in filling in for uh, Tyler Lockett after Lockett was injured. Well, and you look back at, at his rookie here, um, and he started slow. He kind of worked his way in. But then he actually replaced Jermaine Curse in the starting uh, lineup and became that uh, split in, the outside guy. And the team used him a lot. His number, his numbers got better like each week down, down the stretch uh, until he got hurt in the playoffs. And when he got hurt, it just really just shut the offense down. Uh, they they struggled after that because they didn't have the guy who could stretch the field and, and defense is tightened in around everything. Then he lost his second year. 
uh, both recovering from the the torn ACL, and then he came back for a half a game, and then tore his hamstring because he, he kind of rushed himself back a little bit too quickly. Um, and then his third year, which was last year, he was kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit, and the team brought him along really slowly. But when Lockett went down, he had to step up, and he stepped up in a huge way, just an he absolute sure huge way. And so, you know, you look at his rookie year and the end of his third year, the talent is obvious there. The speed he's got is incredible. Um, and, I, and, he, and he makes really nice catches. Yes. I mean, he's just a really nice-looking receiver. Yep. It would be, I feel more comfortable if he wasn't so dang skinny, but you know, he is what he is. So, well, he hasn't proven that he can, he can make it through a full year in the NFL and boy, in order to have confidence in your, in your, um, in your depth chart, you want that guy that's going to, you know, have one of the first two or three positions on your receiving core to be a guy you can depend on. And he's not that guy yet. Mm -hmm. So this year's a huge year for him. It's a contract year. Uh, can Paul Richardson step up and stay healthy and make a real big impact? I, he can if he can stay healthy. I mean, yeah. that guy's going to make an impact. It's just a matter of can he yep. stay on the field? Can he stay on the field? So, And really what Richardson gives the team is he's another small, quick, speedy guy in the Doug Baldwin title the locket mold. So he's really the third of that group. Um, yes. And, you know, are you going to have all three of those guys on the field at the same time? A lot, uh, maybe, maybe not, because you do want a little bit of uh, diversity in terms of what what you have in the position. So he's kind of that third guy in that in that group, um, and then so you, the other guy. Then you have the other guy is you have a, yeah. Your, then you have another group of guys that right. fit a different physical body type. Well, let's so, talk about Jermaine Curse because Curse has made some to? great great catches. Well, he's made some great catches at big moments for the Seahawks. That he has. catch against Green Bay. Uh, in the uh, championship game, in the yeah, was in twenty fourteen, was just an amazing catch in in uh, tight coverage in the end zone to win that game. And boy, I mean, talk about a moment! But there's no steady play uh, to balance that effort, and and he's on the bubble this year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wouldn't. Him being on the bubble is is tough because of the way his contract That's true. is, and so okay. it's, it's the whole salary cap issue and right and, and and that kind of stuff because of the the structure of the contract he signed a year ago. Um, he is on the bubble uh, more as an after June first guy because then they can spread the cap hit out over two years. But it's it's less. If it was just, I think it's cap- more likely that it's after after the season. Yeah, um, he's one of those guys that. Talent wise, he is, but contract wise, it's he's less so. But the the team also keeps drafting guys to replace him, which I think is is telling. Um, and then you look at last year; much of the reason the Seahawks struggled in the red zone last year was because most of their passes went to Curse, and he didn't do anything with them. Uh, it was like a forty six percent, you know. Uh, catch percentage, which was one of the worst in the NFL, and that was just overall. But they had all of those red zone targets to curse, and he ended up with one touchdown on the year. So well, I think the Seahawks have two guys on the roster this year that could potentially beat him out for a spot. I'm not going to say it's going to happen because Curse has definitely got the inside track, and he's earned the trust from the club. It's a matter of did he work this off season to um, to 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 show up um, in a better mental state because i think with him it's mental i mean yes he does have some speed issues where he doesn't quite get separation route issues etc 
but it's worked in the past. It may be able to work in the future. But the two guys that they do have on the roster, um, Amara De, uh, Darbo, Darbo, who they who they drafted, could be the steal of of the Seahawks draft this year. Uh, you know, I went back and looked at his tape because I wasn't as high on him as the Seahawks were. I had him ranked a little lower. But I went back and and and, re- and looked at his tape again, and there is a lot to like there. Um, guy who goes out and um, just does well at getting position around uh, cornerbacks. And, and he didn't really ball. have a great offense and a great quarterback to work with. Yeah, his stats were way down because of the fact that he was playing on a team that didn't have a lot of talent around him. And and so he had he had a lot of really poorly thrown passes go in his direction where he had, you know, awkward adjustments that he had to, to do in order to go get the ball. And he would still go get the ball. It's a nice catch radius, nice hands. He's got more quickness and a little bit more speed than uh, than Curse. I, to me, physically, he's an upgrade uh, over Curse in a lot of different ways. But can right. can he learn the offense? Can he right. learn to do all the little things that you expect a veteran like Curse to do um, that you don't expect a rookie? Uh, like Darbo to do, and and if he can do some of those things, then I I think he be, he kind of takes over that spot. The other guy is David Moore, a guy they drafted in the seventh round, six one two nineteen, but he ran a, a four four three forty, which is really quick for that size. Yeah, I mean, I, I he was a guy I was kind of surprised to see them draft because of just they've got so much depth there, and then you know I figured they would use that draft pick on someone on a, a different position. Um, but he's got some speed. That's one of the things that for a guy his size that you don't see out of uh, Darbo and Curse is just that that pure speed and the ability to get deep. A couple of X factors. Um, Tanner McAvoy, can he? He's kind of a big play type receiver in the Mike Williams kind of mold. But can he build on last year's performance? He can. I mean, there's no reason to think he can't. Um, he is an incredible athlete, six, six good hands. Um, but he was a quarterback and a safety, uh, mostly in college and played a little wide receiver and the Seahawks made wide receiver his position. So he is basically as, as raw as you could possibly be. And the team is, you know, expecting him to make those big strides. And if he does, he looks like a guy who could develop into, um, just an incredible player because of his, his combination. It's kind of a guy you just, you just learn to throw it up to the guy and he just goes and makes a play. Yeah, He's similar absolutely. to uh, Jimmy Graham in that respect. I wish they'd do that a little bit more because um, it's worked out for the Seahawks when they do. Um, and, uh, you know, Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL um, in accuracy when, when he throws balls up like that. He puts it in spots where only the wide receiver slash tight ends can get to it. And... Um, I'd like to see them do that a little bit more. I would do too. I, I just don't think it's in Russell Wilson's makeup. He, if there's a guy who's or Pete uh, Carroll's, well, a, true, <laughs> but I, I think it has more to do with with Wilson. He, if a guy's covered, throw it elsewhere. You know, distribute the ball, find another place to find another place to get it, and that's where he, um, what he does. And I, I just think that that's it's just who he is. He has a hard time of committing to throwing to a covered receiver, even well, if it's Jimmy Graham. And that, well, and that's what's going to make Jimmy Graham leave. If there's anything that's going to make Jimmy Graham leave, it's it's kind of that. 
Yeah, agreed. Because you know, Drew Brees didn't have that problem. And Jimmy Graham is used to catching over 10 TDs a season. And he comes onto the Seahawks, and it's, 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 he's starving down in the red zone. Yep. Yeah, and so at, the, at some point, Wilson's got to just start feeding him the ball in the red zone. Why, I, I get defenses want Wilson to throw to Curse and not to Jimmy Graham. It's, they put two or three guys on uh, Jimmy Graham on purpose because they know Wilson's going to go elsewhere and go to the guy who's uh, you know, in, in single coverage. But if you're throwing the ball to Jermaine Curse and ignoring Jimmy Graham, regardless of coverage, your bad things are going to happen. Uh, so so, these, so two... Go ahead. I was going to say, you, you, Wilson needs to adapt. He needs to be okay with you know throwing to the covered guy because of who the guy is. So two guys um, remaining on my list. There's a couple other guys, but uh, just for time's sake, a couple other guys that have an outside shot to make the team. And if they're probably going to make the team, it's, it's going to be through special teams. Kenley Lawler, we, we talked about him before. We drafted him out of Cal in 2016. He's really improved his body this year, but can that translate onto the field? And then Cyril Grayson, the track speedster guy uh, that we signed, um, hasn't played organized football since 2011. Uh, <laughs> literally, when he caught 28 passes for 700 yards as a senior in high school. But he's a four-time NCAA champion on the outdoor and indoor four by 400 relay team. So, and we mentioned earlier, he's got a four, three, three forty, which is blazing. Uh, but he is small. He's five, nine, one seventy nine. But with that speed size doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's very much like Paul Richardson as far as size, body type and pure speed. And it just jumps off the page when, when you're looking at, uh, you know, watching him at practice, and and hopefully when once we get to games and he gets pads on and that kind of stuff, it'll it'll happen there too. The guy is just so fast, and with Lawler, Lawler's a guy I really like. I really liked him last year. I understand why he didn't make the team and, and why he struggled. He's he, at the time he was really thin. He had that Paul Richardson, Cyril Grayson body type, um, and but he didn't have their speed. Instead, he had long limbs and and a big catch radius, but you know, when you're that possession receiver, you're going to take a lot more hits than when you're the speedy guy that, and, you know, gets and the ball. And Kenny Lawler uh, arguably has the best hands on the team. He does. Um, well, I would say, I, w- I would give that to um, Doug uh, Baldwin. Yeah, Doug Baldwin, right. right, I would right. Give it to you Bal- know what I'm saying, though? I'm, Kenny yeah. Lawler is a pass catcher. Yes. I mean, he's not one of those guys that is an athlete that plays wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. Yeah, that that can that can really legit. Catch yeah, the he's ball. Got, he's got really really good hands and can can catch the ball through contact. Can catch poorly thrown passes that aren't you know directly right where you'd want them. He's got great hands, but he was so thin. There was so much concern about because right. of his lack of speed and his ability to get separation, get the ball in his hands, and then get down. He was going to take hits as he caught the ball. Um, and he has the hands to do that, but does he? But can he take those hits and keep playing? I mean, that was was his thing. But he has put on uh, like fifteen pounds since last year. So I have not. I did not get a good look at him uh, with a uh, at the you know at any point so far this off season. And so we'll see when like when OTAs start what he looks like because if he looks more like Doug Baldwin in terms of how he's built, then 
you can't count him out because with his hands and everything, he's going to look good. But if he still has that Paul Richardson, you know, super skinny body type, even with the extra weight, it's going to be hard for him to stay healthy in the NFL. So that kind of wraps up our skill positions. Yeah. Uh, the last two podcasts, uh, you know, in the next couple podcasts, we'll move to more um, nitty gritty football type stuff. Uh, where we uh, cover offensive linemen, defensive line. Maybe we can start with those two, and then we can get to the linebackers and defensive backs after that. Um, so lots of uh, position group talk uh, ahead. Um, do you have any um, any questions this week, Keith, before we wrap it up? Uh, I do have a mailbag question, and it actually comes back to, to a topic that we talked about very early in the show, and that is if the Seahawks needed to bring in a backup quarterback and they could not can come to terms with Colin Kaepernick, who do you think they should bring in? Hmm. I don't know. Honest, honest answer. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would definitely stay with Boykin. I think, uh, personally, I don't think there's anyone else out there that is going to make me feel better than Boykin into the future. I think if we keep Boykin, um, and he's under like a two, three year deal as a, on a kind of an unguaranteed, um, so we've got control of him. I, to me, that's a better option than some aftermarket also ran quarterback who, is going to honestly hold the clipboard most of the season. Yeah. Uh, I was, I went through and I started looking at the list of, uh, of people and you're like, okay, are you going to, are you going to bring in Jay Cutler? No. Are you going to bring in, um, you know, one of the guys that is just out there? Uh, if the list goes downhill after Jay Cutler, it's probably not a good market. Exactly. And so you're, you're looking at, you're looking at uh, it, it when it when it came out and you said you can't you can't have Kaepernick, then you go okay. Look for a guy who can who has a little bit of mobility, so maybe Robert Griffin, uh, or not. Um, I mean, they really like Jake Heaps. You know, they really like Jake. You know, Jake could probably um, probably take you down and, and score a touchdown for you just by not making mistakes. You yeah. know, when you when you turn Jake loose and you have him wing it all over the field he just doesn't have the arm strength well he also but, doesn't have the accuracy i mean I, right I, I and so if he can him in practice last year and you know i think there, there was one drill where it was it was they were doing one-on-ones so it's uh, or it was just the receiver drill so it was a quarterback and um wide receiver and they were just you know getting reps and, and and no defense and so throwing against air he went like one for seven uh, in that drill. And I just, at that point I was like, yeah, this is not an NFL quarterback cause he's got Tim Tebow like accuracy. And so that, yeah. that's, that's my concern with heaps. But at some point the team's got to find a backup. Um, they got to find, well, I think they, they can, truly they wanted to, I think they wanted to draft somebody, um, higher up in the, in the draft. The board just didn't fall. Yep. The draft didn't fall to him the way that you know that would have made that possible, and so they they've gone yet another year without drafting a quarterback, and um, we'll see, we'll see. But I, yeah, beyond Kaepernick, I mean, legit, it falls I, off. I, it falls off so very quickly. There's really just no one else out there that's still available. And that's why I think ultimately, if they don't sign Kaepernick, they're going to stick with Boykin. Agreed. So, uh, yeah, I, we're done. We had a good show. It went long again, Keith. I apologize. Does. I apologize for my part in that. 
<laughs> but, you know, eventually we're going to have to go to therapy together and you're going to have to own your part, too. Who, me? I'm going to I'm going to have to own the fact that I'm incredibly long winded and like to th- like to talk. Really? Oh, that doesn't sound like fun. Uh, it's true, though. But hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, until next week, um, enjoy, hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, you can find me uh, at NWC Hawk on Twitter. Keith is at Myers NFL. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Um, you can find us on Blog Talk Radio uh, on the Seahawks page. We've got all of our pod- podcasts on there. iTunes as well has all of our podcasts. You can also subscribe on iTunes. That's, that might be the best way to uh, to listen to us. And then uh, virtually every other podcast app that's uh, on Android devices and so forth, uh, you can set that up to subscribe as well. So uh, you can listen to us all over. And then uh, I've got a, uh, a website that I'm uh, currently developing to have uh, our podcast eventually land on. Uh, so that's in the works, something to look forward to. Uh, anything else you got? Not anything. Let's... let's um... Man, I would, can't wait for football to start. Is it August yet? No, oh, I know. You know, it's really moving quick, though. I mean, I here we so. are. It's mid-May. We've got some better weather on the way, I promise. And um, it's going to move quick. Now, you know, dog days of summer are mm-hmm. definitely going to come upon us here after a couple of weeks. We're not going to hear really any news between June and mid-July. But... Um, we'll try our best to come up with some great podcasts and we'll, we'll keep it going for you guys. So until next time, thanks Keith. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. The Hawks playbook podcast is brought to you by the fan sided network and 12th man rising.com. Find our podcast on the website or subscribe on iTunes. You can find both Bill and Keith on Twitter. Bill is at NWC Hawk. And Keith is at Myers NFL. <laughs>